Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Josh Scanlon podcast. This episode first appeared as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash heritage wealth planning. I hope you find it informative. Thanks. To another edition of the Heritage Wealth Planning YouTube channel. I cannot wait to do this presentation here today. Probably going to divide it up into two episodes because it's going to be extensive discussion on social security planning. I've, uh, I've been a member of a group called Horsesmouth.com, Horsesmouth.com. Man, since I've been in this business, probably since 2003. I mean, I started at Vanguard in 1998, and when I went on 2004. So when I went on my own in terms of being a financial advisor, uh, yeah, I went to Horses Mouth. It was probably the first thing I went to to get educated on various financial planning topics. I guess about 2008 or nine, they rolled out this thing called Savvy Social Security Planning. It's, I'm telling you, it was the most beneficial, one of the most beneficial things I've ever uh, looked at from my own education uh, in terms of Social Security, but just how to advise clients is fantastic. I'm actually going to share some of this with you today because it's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, they actually have gone into Medicare as well, and I'm actually a member of the Medicare planning uh, system as well. And one of these days, I'll, I'll do a seminar on that as well, or a webinar, what we're doing here today. But Horse's Mouth has found, it's just, it's, it's fundamentally changed my life when it comes to as a financial advisor. I had no clue what I did not know. And it's, uh, it's amazing. And I got to tell you, there's no, there's no way in the world that one person can know all this stuff. It's just, it's not going to happen. I mean, there are some people who can. Uh, there's a guy named Devin Carroll out in uh, Texas someplace. He just actually wrote a book. And I mean, my goodness, that guy, he's a machine when it comes to Social Security planning. Uh, I'm not sure what his website's called, but Devin Carroll, he's great. There's a guy here locally, Mark Orr, I think. He wrote a book on Social Security planning, and he's fantastic as well. And a uh, big fan of his, too. Uh, so they're few and far between, but there are some folks. Elaine Floyd is the lady who runs this episode here or this horse's mouth tutorial and she's just without question by far other than maybe uh, Larry Kotlikoff up at Boston University and I, I did a podcast interview with Larry and then maybe uh, Alicia Munell over at Boston College Center for Retirement Research. I don't know anyone who knows more about Social Security than, than Elaine that's for sure. She's just amazing and she's the one who uh, presented this or built this tutorial which I'm going to share with you today. Now only drawback is because it is a, a, a PowerPoint presentation you won't see this right here. You won't see my mug. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a drawback or not. Uh, but uh, you're not going to see me, but I'm still here. You'll still hear me and everything. Just I, For some reason, I can't figure out how to get it so I can show my face while I'm doing it. So we're going to go right into this. Um, again, I'm going to divide it up into two two parts, and we're just going to go over everything is on there. Um, hopefully, it's entertaining uh, in terms of the stuff that you're going to learn. Hopefully, it's informative, too. Obviously, I can't take Q&A at this point, but if you have questions, put them in the comments, man. I, absolutely. I, I check the comments. I get a notification on YouTube. I don't, you know, I don't see it up here. Um, you know, that bell, I tell you when you go, go and subscribe, I say click the notification bell. I get that too. It says someone has commented on a post. So go ahead and do that too. So let me just click on here. And again, you're going to lose me for a second. And here it is, Savvy Social Security Planning, What Baby Boomers Need to Know to Maximize Retirement Income. And we're going to hit present here and you're going to see this. Okay. So 
Again, horsesmouth.com. It's more for financial advisors. I don't know if you're if you're a client, um, if you get that m- much out of it, so, just because it really is mostly for financial advisors. But uh, let's see. Let me start. I'm going too fast for the system here. All right. So I went too fast. It takes a moment. What's going on here? Okay. And here we go. All right. So we're going to talk about these five things. Baby boomers want to know, will Social Security be there for me? How much can I expect to receive? When should I apply for Social Security benefits? That's the biggest, biggest one right there. How can I maximize my benefits? And will Social Security be enough to live on in retirement? So these are the three things that we're going to talk significantly about. Uh, We'll knock out this one pretty quickly. How much can I expect to receive is pretty important, but that's really contingent on your own numbers. So let's just go through this. Understanding the value of Social Security. Um, So Social Security offers income you can't outlive. And I I love that she uses this $2,000 a month benefit uh, because it's simple. And uh, remember, we've talked about average index monthly earnings. We've talked about PIA before. So this is not your AIME. This is your PIA. If your monthly benefit is $2,000 today as a primary insurance amount, you'll receive, and you live for 10 years, you'll receive $300,000, $659,000, or $1.1 million in lifetime benefits. Assumes 2.6% COLA is cost of living adjustments. That's a lot of money, my friends. So if you had $2,000 a month, in today's numbers and it's adjusted for inflation 2.6 every year and you live 30 years you're going to get over a million dollars in social security this goes back to one of the things i was talking about before too where we don't want to look at a stock bond portfolio in a traditional mechanism when we're dealing with social security as part of our portfolio because this is a bond you're getting that each and every month your coupon essentially uh, is, is, you know, 2000 a month. And so that's $24,000 a year. All right. So if you had a, a million dollar portfolio, you would be getting 2.4% as a coupon. Now it's different because this is, you don't, there's no residual value, unlike a bond necessarily, um, where you actually get your money back on top of the interest that you receive. It's not quite like that. But if you think about it in that terms, it's paying you a guaranteed monthly income adjusted for inflation that you can't live. So in this case, if you had a million dollars in a 50-50 stock bond portfolio, that means you had $500,000 in stocks. And then if you look at the present value of your million dollars of, of Social Security payments, plus the $500,000 you have in your bond portfolio, you're going to be way overweighted in fixed income and in, uh, in bond stuff as opposed to equity. So just keep that in the back of your mind because that is a lot of money. If you discount that, I think you might be taking on a little bit too much of a conservative risk, uh, less risk in terms of your uh, your investment portfolio, but certainly more risk when it comes to fighting inflation, things like that. All right. So Social Security offers annual inflation adjustments. Now, look at that. We talked in the last one that you had 1.13 million starting at 2000. Where after 30 years at 2.6% inflation, your 2000 a month has more than doubled, more than doubled. After 20 years, your 2000 a month has jumped to 3342. That's pretty significant. I mean, you're talking real money here at a 2.6% cost of living adjustment. That's not, I mean, it's just not a huge amount. And yet even that, you're still getting increases each and every year. That's the power of having things uh, compounded with inflation. Um, will Social Security be there for me? I always chuckle at this. And one of my pet peeves is when people say, I don't want to use Social Security in my financial planning. I drives you up the wall because then they're not taking good financial. Uh, they're just not making good financial decisions. They're not. They're saying, I'm not going to get Social Security because of Trump, because of Obama, because of Putin. It doesn't matter. 
I say, at the end of the day, you're going to get it. Now, you might not get a full dollar for dollar if you retire like me in 2035 is when I'll be 65 years old. Under current system, I'll probably get 75 cents on a dollar. Uh, but that's if nothing is done. Just literally nothing is done. I will still get 75 cents on a dollar. So that Social Security will be there for me. You can answer that explicitly in the affirmative. Now, they're going to means test it more. So if you're making more, you'll pay more into it, which will make it more solid and all that. But the idea you're not going to have Social Security is just it's just silly. And I'm just telling you, don't go down that road when it comes to your financial planning, because it's just you're going to lead you to make decisions that are incorrect with your money, especially with your taxes. And here we talk about the trust fund. They got almost three trillion dollars as of 231, 12, 31, 16. Um, Trust fund balance, you know, it's right here. Look at that. I mean, it actually went up a little bit from 2.84 to 2.89 trillion dollars. So a net increase of 44 billion in assets. They had 99, 996 billion in total income. They spent 952. They got a net increase in assets of 44 billion. Now, what's going to happen is this will slowly become a negative. It'll be a deficit there as we more and more people go into the system and less and less people are working. So this will be you know, 996 billion, this will be 1.4 trillion or something like that. When that happens, that's where the Social Security Trust Fund will begin to dip into its principal. And that's the whole thing about the 75 cents on the dollar. But it won't be until we're, uh, until, you know, what, 20, yeah, 20 odd years from now, right there, 2034. So it was, it was going to fall to 75% into 2035. Now it's 77% in 2034 if nothing is done, all right? So just, uh, again, it will be there. We don't know exactly how much will be there. A lot of people talk about some of the reforms, increased maximum earnings subject to Social Security tax. Yeah, I don't like that. That's a pretty significant tax hit on higher income people, and it makes them less inclined to support Social Security. And if you look at FDR, the reason he did not do that, because he wanted everyone to support Social Security. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. I am a big fan of raising the normal retirement age. Absolutely. There's no reason to have the same retirement age as we did when FDR essentially put this out. It's, it's stupid. So we got to raise it to 70. Not on current uh, beneficiaries, certainly not on people who are going to retire in 10 years, but certainly if you're 40 years or younger, you can say we're going to raise the retirement age to 70 years old. That's not a bad deal. If you don't do that, you're not taking seriously the solvency of Social Security, the need for it to remain solvent, not by any stretch of imagination. Um, reduced cost of living adjustments eh, and lower benefits for future retirees. Just look, just raise the retirement age. People are living longer. <laughs> Raise it. They're not they're not taking Social Security for another 25, 30 years. They, they can contend with that for sure. I mean, they raise it on me. I'm, I was born in 1970. My uh, retirement for retirement age is 67. Uh, the bottom line for baby boomers, you're not likely to be affected by Social Security reform. That's just a fact. So, all right, we're going to be done with that because that's stop, 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 stop. We're done. Social Security reform is not going to affect you. You're going to get it, especially if you're looking at retirement, you know, in the next couple of years. How much can I expect to receive? Now, I do like this one a lot. Because it's how much you earned over your working career and the age you apply for benefits. This is, again, is your average index monthly earnings, AIME. That is going to give you your PIA, and your PIA will tell you how much you'll get based on the age in which you apply. Now, I talked about this quite a bit, but if your AIME, your average index monthly earnings, is wrong, then you're going to have a wrong number for your PIA. And those two things are critical. So at age 62, each year's earnings are tallied up in index for inflation. The highest 35 years are average. So again, you can continue to work now if you're in a high income, you know, making decent money, and that'll reduce 
or they'll knock off some of your previous lower income earning years, which will actually give you an increase in your Social Security benefit, which we're going to talk about here later on this uh, this uh, webinar. We talked about the three bend points. All right, the first eight hundred ninety-five dollars, you'll get uh, ninety percent of that as part of your Social Security benefit. The next forty-five hundred dollars, you're going to get thirty-two percent of that as your Social Security benefit, and anything above, I think, it's fifty-three ninety-seven. You're going to get fifteen percent of that amount as part of your Social Security benefit. And again, what I like is benefits are increased each year by COLAs, cost of living adjustments, which I'm a big fan of because that really just two thousand dollars a month today could be forty three hundred a month in three uh, thirty years. That that's that's a big deal. If that was not indexed for inflation, yeah, we'd have a lot more people in the dire straits. That's for sure. So here we go. Examples of the, uh, the AIME. I've talked about some previous episodes, but this is a guy who our lady for average index monthly earnings is ninety nine thirty seven. The first uh, eight hundred ninety five dollars that she makes from her AIME, she's going to earn eight hundred five dollars in Social Security. The next forty five hundred dollars is times at thirty two percent. She'll make fourteen hundred dollars to her Social Security benefit, and then any amount above forty five hundred uh, is actually forty five hundred. Plus of that, so I guess against fifty three ninety seven is uh, she'll get six hundred eighty dollars. So her if her AIME is ninety nine hundred thirty seven, her PIA the amount she'll get at full retirement age is twenty nine twenty seven. So just keep that in the back of your mind twenty nine twenty seven if her AIME is uh, ninety nine thirty seven. So was that a third roughly? And the reason for that is because it's very um, progressive, and that means the lower income you make, the more benefits Social Security replaces as an income stream for you. The higher income you make, the less benefits they replace as a percentage of your income. Um, all right, so we talked about that example of benefits. Okay, full retirement age, you talked about this. I was born in 1970. My full retirement age is 67. If you're born before 1954, your full retirement age is 66. And any year in there is 66 and some months. All right, let's keep going through this. This is all good stuff, but it's not the meat of the issue. Uh, this one's important. What if I apply early? Remember your PIA. So the, so the lady we talked about, her PIA was $2,900 a month. If she uh, applies early, um, if her FRA for retirement age is 66, which means that she had to be before born before 1954, it'll be 75%. So she'll get 75% of that $2,900 if she takes her benefits early, all right? If she, uh, if her full retirement age is 67, which means she's born after 1960, um, she'll get a, uh, I went up too much, hold on a second. Hold on a second, I hit enter, there you go. She'll get 70% of that $2,900. So keep that in mind. If her FRA is 66, she'll get 75% of her PIA if she retires at the earliest or files at the earliest age. If our FRA is 67, like mine is, I'll get 70% of my PIA if I file for the benefits at the early stage. All right, now on the other hand, if we both wait uh, until we're, in this case, if her FRA is 66 and she waits until she's 70, that she'll get 32% more than that $2,900. So we get 2937, I think is what it was, 29 times 1.32, which means she's going to be getting 30, almost $3,900 a month in Social Security benefits, my friends. By just simply waiting from 66 to 70 years old, she's going to be getting that. That's a significant amount, a third more. 
Now, me, on the other hand, if I wait until I'm 70, I'm only going to get 124%, which is still 24% is still pretty significant. That's a quarter more than I would have got if I filed at my full retirement age. So you might think that this is skewed against older or younger people because our FRA is 67 and the older people are 66. Well, we've also had an, an extra year of working as well with a higher income of, uh, of, of work that has gone into the system, which means we get more credit for a higher year of working uh, potentially. So it's not, it's completely fair. So people say, ah, it's not fair. It is fair. Absolutely fair. I do want to point this out. Estimate your retirement benefits. Go right there. Socialsecurity.gov. Click on the estimate your retirement benefits. Cause one thing I want to point out about all this stuff, it assumes you're going to work with your current income that you have today until you hit full retirement age of 66 or 67. And if you aren't going to work that same income, like I just quit my job to start this firm, my income's dropping like a brick and water, but my social security statement won't reflect that until next year. So if I want to know truly what my benefit is going to be based on my current income, I got to go in there and estimate my retirement benefits or else I'm going to be way over optimistic on how much money I'm going to make for social security because it's going to assume my income from the last year was what I'm going to make until I hit the age of 67. That's just not going to happen. All right. So what else here? Spousal benefits. This is where we start getting a little bit into the, again, into the meat of this. So remember your spousal benefit is one half your primary worker's PIA. So John's PIA is 2000 and PIA simply means how much he gets at full retirement age. His PIA is 2000. Jane's PIA is 800. If Jane applies at her full retirement age, we'll say 66, her benefit will be $1,000, which is one half of John's. Pretty simple stuff. Remember, a couple of things going on here. John had to file, all right? And Jane has to be full retirement age for this to be applicable. So John has to be filed for his benefit and Jane has to be 66 or 67. We'll say 66 to get one half of John's PIA. If John hasn't filed, Jane cannot get benefits. In fact, it says right here, John has to have filed for benefits. Spouse must be at least 62 for reduced benefit or 66 for full benefit. And right here is a quick kicker. There's no delayed credits on spousal benefits. So if your spousal benefit is less than, um, if your own benefit is uh, what I'm saying is you get your spousal benefit at 66. No reason to wait for your spousal benefit until you're 67, 68, 69, or 70. You're not getting any benefits for that. So if you hit 66 and your spousal benefit is more than your own benefit, then go ahead and take it at 66. There's no reason not to, simply because you're not getting delayed earnings credits on your spousal benefit. Now, this is a critical, critical thing. You can still file a restricted application if you're born before January 2nd, 1954. So that simply means you go into the Social Security, you say you're going to file for your spousal benefit. Again, John has had to file and be receiving benefits. You file for your spouse's benefit and restrict your own benefit in order that you can allow your own benefit to grow with delayed earnings credits. You can't do that if you're born January 2nd, 1954 or beyond. You can only do that if you're born January uh, before January 2nd, 1954, a restricted application. I cannot stress that enough. If you are born then in that lucky time, you go down there and you say, I'm 66, full retirement age. My spouse is 
taking benefits, I want to file for his on his record for my spousal benefit, which would be one half of his. And I want to restrict my own application so that way I can continue to earn the delayed earnings credits and get that 8% a year increase. Critical, really important to understand how that works. Oh, divorce spouse benefits too. I'm telling you, a lot of divorce, my biggest YouTube videos on by far is on divorcee benefits uh, for social security. It's actually amazing. So there obviously there's something hitting there that needs to be addressed. Your marriage had to last for 10 years. Person receiving divorce benefits is currently unmarried. So not so I my wife and I divorced. We were married for more than 10 years. As long as me, I, me, I'm filing for my benefits based on her record as a divorcee, I can't be married. I'm currently unre- I'm currently not married. I'm at least 62 years old. You gotta be 62, just like regular benefits. And if the divorce was more than two years ago, I do not need for my wife to be taking benefits. This is critical. If we just got divorced yesterday and she is not taking benefits, I cannot take my benefits. I can only take my benefits if she is on the filing and taking benefits today, unless we were going to divorce more than two years ago. So if we were divorced more than two years ago, then it doesn't matter if she's taking benefits or not. A lot going on there. So just kind of put that in the back of your mind. If you're divorced, there's a couple of things. Just remember, you got to be 10 years. You got to be over 62. You can't be married right now. And your divorce, if it's more than two years ago, it does not contingent on your ex-spouse. If your divorce was less than two years ago, it's contingent on your ex-spouse taking benefits today. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Interesting thing is more than one ex-spouse can receive benefits off the same worker's record. I forgot who it was, but there's a uh, Linda Taylor or something like that. Uh, there's somebody who's been married a bunch of times. Who was that? I was just reading about somebody who's been married a bunch of times. And as long as each marriage was 10 years, ex-spouses can take benefits on that worker's record. Benefits paid to one do not affect the benefits to the other. Divorce spouse benefits stop upon remarriage. Okay, stop upon remarriage of, of me, the ex-spouse, not on the primary worker. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Divorce benefits take uh, stop upon the remarriage of me filing for my ex-spouse's benefits, not on that guy or that lady who were filing on. So just keep that in your mind. Well, let's see. So if, again, if I'm married and my wife divorced, we divorced, and I'm claiming benefits off of her record, if she gets remarried, it doesn't affect me. If I get remarried, then my benefits stop. You know, let me just be very clear there. All right. A couple more minutes here, and then we'll take a break and come back with part two. Survivor benefits. Now, this is different than spousal. I've talked about it before in a couple of videos, but remember, if um, survivor benefit will depend on the age at which the deceased spouse originally claimed his benefit. So if I die and I had claimed before my full retirement age, i.e. I claimed before I was 66 or in my case 67, my wife benefit will be limited to the higher of my benefit or 82.5% of my primary insurance amount. So if I claimed early, then I claimed a reduced benefit because I claimed before FRA, I, my wife Charlotte will be get, either get what I had, which is reduced from my PIA, or 82.5% of my PIA, whichever is more. So that's that's pretty interesting. So just remember that if I file early, my wife will not get my full benefit in terms of my primary insurance amount. She won't. She'll get the full benefit solely based on based on you know when I filed, not my PIA. 
Another reason to consider waiting to filing until at least you hit your full retirement age for spousal benefits. Now, the age at which the widow claims the uh, survivor benefit, if she claims before her FRA, so now this is the widow, my wife, Charlotte, she's before 66 or 67, her survivor benefit will be a fraction of the original benefit. She can claim it at 60 and her PIA will be 71.5 or her benefit will be 71.5% of my PIA. She can see she will get more and more each and every year until she hits 66 at her full retirement age or 67 again. Now, if she claims that her FRA, her benefit will be equal to 100% of whatever I am making at that point. So if I was making $3,000 a month and she claims that 66, that's what, excuse me, that's what her benefit will be. A lot going on there. All I got to say is for survivor benefits, if you are concerned about your surviving spouse, you do not want to file early. There's just no other way around that. All right, so let's see. If spouse dies while both are receiving benefit, widower may switch to the higher benefit. So I love this example. Joe and Julie are married. Both are over full retirement age. Joe's benefit is $2,000. Julie's benefit is $1,200. Joe gets hit by a bus. Julie notifies Social Security, and her benefit of $1,200 is replaced with Joe's benefit of $2,000 because they're both over full retirement age. Pretty cut and dry there. Uh, survivor benefits example of early claiming. Joe and Julie are married. Joe's PIA, again, PIA, and I make this tattooed on your brain, is about he gets at full retirement age, so 66. Joe files for Social Security at 62 because his full retirement age is 66. His benefit is 75% of 2000. If he filed for full retirement age when it's 67, I forgot, I think it's 70% of 2000. But obviously, because it's 75% of of his PIA, that means his FRA is, is uh, 66. So because of that, he'll get $1,500 a month. Joe gets hit by a bus. Julie's survivor benefit will depend on when she claims. If she claims her benefit at 66 or later, her benefit will be 82.5% of Joe's $2,000 PIA, which is $1,650. It'd be no less than $1,650. All right. So she, you think she'd only get fifteen hundred because that's what Joe was getting? No, it'll be eighty-two and a half percent of the two thousand dollars a month that Joe was getting um, because she filed at her FRA. Now Joe filed early. If Julie claim Julie claims her survivor benefit at sixty, it'll be seventy-one point five percent of the two thousand of or of Joe's PIA. So again, if they file early, Joe does, and then he dies, Julie will get less than his PIA, and it depends on how much or when she files. If she files at 66 or later, her full retirement age will be 82.5% of his PIA or more. If she claims earlier, it would be uh, at, 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 mo at lowest, at lowest, the littlest at 1430 or more, depending on the age he files. But she can file at 60, unlike a spousal benefit. Uh, examples of delayed claiming. Here we go. So Joe and Julie are married. Joe's PIA is 2000, but he files for his benefit at age 70. He gets that 32% increase, which means his benefit will go up to 2640. Joe's survivor benefit will be equal to Joe's benefit if she claims, I'm going to start down here, at 66 or later. If she claims her benefit, her survivor benefit, at full retirement age, she's going to get this right here. If she claims her survivor benefit before full retirement age, it'll be no less 
that's 71.5% of 2640 or 1887, and that's at age 60. So the least you'll get is this right here. The most you'll get is this right here. Now, the interesting thing is Julie can take her own benefit early. It'll be reduced because she's taken it early, but then go file for her survivor benefit at full retirement age and get this amount right there, 2640, because a survivor benefit and her own benefit are two separate different things when it comes one to file. So in this case, Julie should take her own benefit early, it'd be reduced, and take that until she's 66, and then she'll step, reduce her, leave her own benefit on the table, and she'll step into Joe's full benefit with a delayed earnings credit. It's a pretty good strategy. A lot of people don't recognize that, but it's a wonderful strategy there. Uh, rules for a survivor benefits, this is a good one. Couples must have been married for at least nine months at date of death, except in case of an accident. Uh, survivor must be at least 60 to take the reduced benefit. And I think it was, what, 71.5% uh, or 50 if disabled, but still going to be reduced, or FRA for the full benefit. Survivor benefit is not available if widow remarries before the age of 60. Unless that marriage ends, but look at that remarries before the age of 60 remarries at the after 60 survivor benefits still available. I mean, it's just time to crunch some numbers. Uh, divorce spouse benefit available if the marriage lasted at least 10 years. So again, if, uh, if I was divorced and it lasted for 10 years, my wife got hit by a bus. I could look to see if I could get my benefit based on her earnings record, which is which is pretty cool. I guarantee you a lot of divorcees do not know that. Um, when should I apply for benefits? So we're going to take a break here. This is exactly where I want to stop. Got a lot to discuss, a lot to consider and think about here, my friends, about your social security. So what I'd like for you to do, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, is uh, email them to me. I mean, obviously you can't do it while I'm doing this, but say, hey, Josh, I'm considering this. I'm worried about that. You know, give me a thumbs up, of course, but email me, uh, josh at heritage, uh, heritagewealthplanning.com. So again, the email is josh at heritagewealthplanning.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on this. I'm going to do these seminars actually here at the local library and start a little process, you know, probably once a month or twice a month to do these because I think it's critically important. And I don't think a lot of people realize the benefits that they have available to them if they just knew some basic strategies, which is what I'm trying to do here. So well, I'm going to take a break. I'll get back on the second part of this and we'll see you on the second side of the more. I keep looking at the mic as if you're on the mic. I should be looking up there. We'll get back on the second part of this to talk about the claiming strategies and some ways to maximize your benefits. We'll see you here in just one second. Thanks, guys.